Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. Our first lesson comes from Psalm 19. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we are in the book of James, James 5, 13 through 20. Listen for the word of the Lord. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months. It did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest." 
My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I will, I've told this story before, so you can check it off as twice in my time here. When I was in seminary, I was, seminary is where you go is kind of preacher school. And I was at Austin Presbyterian Seminary in Austin, Texas, right across the street from the University of Texas. And, and this was our first class. Introduction to theology. Here we are, showing up for duty, pencils sharpened. We have our backpacks all ready, our textbooks not even open. It makes those sound because the binding is just new and beautiful. We sit down. Hello, how are you? Good to see you. How are you? How are you? Here we go, ready to learn, becoming pastors. And our professor said, friends, welcome. We are excited to start this journey of learning and faith together. And I've invited a speaker from the University of Texas to come and talk to you for a moment. Speaker, wrote that down on the top of my legal pad. Here we go. He comes up, he looks at us and says... You Christians are idiots. Why in the world do you believe this fairy tale nonsense? Pardon me? He says, you're living in a fantasy world. You have closed your mind off and you believe this story that has no base in fact. As a matter of fact... You follow this God that is so angry, this God of wrath is waiting to punish you anytime you step out of line. I liken that, he says, to a concentration camp commandant and you being the inhabitants of that concentration camp as in World War II. What is he saying? That's not right. Where's Jesus? And he went on for a little bit. And then finally, our same professor said, Professor, has anyone ever told you about Jesus Christ? And the man walked away. Part of me thinks this is what they do every year for the first class. There is no doubt that when you go to seminary, all of the things that you have brought that you think you knew, it is their job to dismantle that. Not unlike going in to the army and you're in basic training and they break you down so that they can build you up again. All of our suppositions about faith are challenged. You are called to make an account for the things that you believe and why that is. 
But more than that, that first charge. You people close off your minds, you dumb Christians. And isn't that some of the criticism we hear in the world? That's why some people will not believe because they think that we have shut off our minds and we are simply in some kind of emotional relationship with the idea of an ever-present God in this life and the next because it makes the journey easier. We are afraid to admit that this might be the end when this earthly life is over. And so we invented this God that will bring us home and something better awaits. I know I hear that a lot. Our intelligence is questioned again and again and again. And so as you look at the sermon title, we put it right out there today. Jesus came to take away your sins, not your mind. I saw that on a t-shirt several years ago. We don't do bumper stickers much anymore, but that would make a great bumper sticker. A little nice slogan with a lot of assumptions and thought and theory and belief all caught up in that one phrase. Well, preacher, what does that mean? Well, today, as we have been in our July Sunday school class dovetailing into worship, studying these same passages, we look at James, and at the end of this, It says, my brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Theirs or yours, we're not sure, maybe both. If anyone among you wanders from the truth, what then is the truth? So we get into this conversation about how we know what truth is, what is wisdom, what is our knowledge and understanding, and how do we use our brains in our faith? As Presbyterians, our history is strong in being a people who think and use our brains as a part of our faith. And there's no superiority in that I'm not claiming that others don't, but it's always been a part and foundation of our Reformed understanding. The Reformation itself, as we talked about in Sunday school, part of it was the hierarchy and the exploitation of its people, things like indulgences, all kinds of other things that the Reformers, Martin Luther and others, could not abide by. But one of those was the inability to have access to Scripture. In their language, only the priests and the cardinals were right and could read and interpret and in a different language than many of the common folk spoke. They did not have Bibles in every home. They did not carry their Bibles to Bible study or have them on their phones. They had no access. 
And the Reformation was just that. It was a revolution in understanding because then we could read for ourselves. We could ask the questions that we have been dealing with for as long as we could remember. It was now safe to ask questions. It was now safe to study, to get together after some time This idea of using our brains became a part of our faith journey. So much so it contributed to the Enlightenment along with the Renaissance, the scientific revolution and other things. The floodgates opened and people wanted knowledge now that they had some access. They wanted science, they wanted literature, they wanted Bible and theology. Using our brains, using our minds means that we ask questions about things that we have doubts about. It means that we take time to read for ourselves that which has been won through events in time like the Reformation means that we recognize that there are people being persecuted around the world for doing what we take for granted every day, certainly every Sunday. As I shared this morning, Tom Boone, Dr. Tom Boone, who came from the Outreach Foundation two years ago, said that people that he is in ministry with through the Outreach Foundation In persecuted countries, pray for us because we are not persecuted. Why do they wish for us to be persecuted? Because they think we have taken it for granted that we are spoiled and it means less to us because we don't have to fight for it. And they may have a point. If coming out of your house on Sunday morning meant that you were threatened by local police or your family, would you come? Would you come if we met in secret underground somewhere? Would our numbers dwindle to a few or would we increase to thousands? Fascinating to think about. As we talked about it this morning, we talked about the word, it is our duty to think and to study and to ask questions and to do this in the midst of our community and with our God. God can take your questions. As a matter of fact, I believe that we cannot grow unless we lift up those questions we might be afraid to ask. No preacher, I don't really know what I think about this. Great, let's take a look at it. But we have to be willing to engage both on our own and in groups and more than worship. And yes, it means we have to take some action. Education is a challenge, but it's at the core of who we are. Presbyterian colleges and seminaries 
are just a part of our legacy to the world. Our missionaries, when they go, they heal, they feed, they teach about Christ, and they teach Christ himself. A few weeks ago, as we studied, we sent out, he sent out the disciples two by two, remember, just to the house of Israel. Did he call the disciples and say, go? He didn't. He taught them first and showed them first. He was called teacher and rabbi because he was those things. So one way we need to look at our lives is to say, how am I using my brain in my faith journey or am I? More than our small time this morning, when it's me sharing with you, although I see our sermon, this sermon time as a conversation, it cannot stand as the only time you plug in your heart and your mind into this journey of faith. And education is difficult and challenging. Think about school. Who wants more of that? Papers, tests, exams. It was Aristotle who said, education is bitter, but the fruit is sweet. Often when we are learning we are wondering why it is difficult. There are challenges. And then we come through the other side and we see why. How much more than elementary school, middle school, high school, college, graduate school, are we called to learn and follow, enter the struggle of our journey with Christ to then see the fruit of that labor? One of the things about the book of James is what we know often when we think of James, faith without works is dead. Faith without works. Now, we believe that grace is how we are saved, not by works, but it is a result of our grace and salvation from Christ that people are able to see our works. It is because Christ gave himself on the cross and was raised from the dead that we live our lives in gratitude for what Christ did. And those are our works. What are those fruits that we work so hard to grow with the, the power of the Holy Spirit? It's not easy. And we're all called. And it is Christianity 101, friends. But when was the last time you opened a Bible in your home? I'm guessing there's one in every home, or if not, you know where you can find one. We are afraid, we are intimidated, or we're afraid to open ourselves and use our minds because then we know what might be required of us is discipleship, and we fear that to a certain degree. Am I going to have to sell everything I own? Am I going to have to quit my job, work at the shelter 24 hours a day? What am I going to have to do that I'm not already doing? Preacher, my life is busy. I don't have time to work in this other stuff. You see how that sounds. 
If this matters to you, it matters to you. If it does not, it does not. If you, if you are dipping your toe in the pool of faith, the only way to figure it out more so is to dive on in. The only way to grow is to come to God through study and prayer, Christianity 101. And these are disciplines. It takes time for us to practice and become comfortable. Often we need other people, the community, an accountability partner, friends, to help us engage our minds and our hearts. Now, it's not just our brains either. It is our compassion. It is our love. It is our call to engage our full selves. But we do not turn off our brains. We do not blindly follow what those who went before us said they experienced, even though we are not sure. And if you are there or if you are a non-believer and you are here or out there, this is a safe place for you. I just invite you to keep yourself open and keep asking questions. Do not turn off your brain and think you have it figured out. Conversely, if you are a person of faith and you have been engaged in this journey of education and scripture and prayer and community and church, do not think that you have it all figured out because you've been at it for some time. When we put things in a box and we close it up, that's when we stop growing. Scripture is alive and it is speaking to us today in Columbus, Georgia in 2023 and God has something different to say to us now than that same passage might have said to us 10, 20, 50 years ago because the world is in a different place and God is alive in God's word. How can we go and tell others if we don't know ourselves and we allow ourselves to be manhandled by those who seem to know scripture more so because they can quote it chapter and verse. That does not mean you know scripture. It means you can recite it chapter and verse. Our job is to be able to read it, but also live it, take it in, let it transform us and guide how we live. That is a difference. So today, what is it that makes us Presbyterians? It is the fact that we engage in an environment that we believe the Holy Spirit sets for us. It is our duty, it is our right, and with the abilities we have been given to study God's word to us because that's how we know God, each other, and the world. It is amazingly complex and amazingly simple at the same time. We are called to be in prayer with God and one another. And it is with our brains that we continue to ask questions, explore our doubts, have courage enough to say, lead me, Lord, speak to me, and leads us to study this word. Our literacy rate is ridiculous. It clearly states where we put our love of Christ in our lives by the amount of time that we seek God in prayer and scripture and in service. That's not meant to be guilty. It's meant 
to say, what are we missing and how much more can we grow in our purpose and mission and love of and with Christ? That is our call today. So let us know that Christ came only not to take away our sins, but Christ did that and that is big in this life and the next. But also gave us the ability to think and reason and to have compassion and love and joy and to walk this journey being educated and prompted by the Holy Spirit, one another and the word of God. So let us go and do likewise. Hallelujah. Amen.